This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that shines a light on the highs and lows of everyday history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about one of the most polarizing songs of the holiday season, the celebrity supergroup charity single that dared to ask the patronizing question, do they know it's Christmas? The day was November 25th, 1984. A group of celebrity musicians recorded the benefit song, Do They Know It's Christmas? The project, known as Band-Aid, was organized by musician Bob Geldof as a way to help alleviate famine in Ethiopia. He convinced dozens of famous singers to lend their voices and star power to the track, with all proceeds from sales of the single going to those in need. With that noble goal in mind, Geldof and the song's co-writer and producer, Midge Yore, held a marathon recording session at Sarm West Studios in London. When the finished song hit British airwaves less than one week later, it soared to the top of the charts, just as everyone involved had hoped. The single remained the number one track for five weeks, racking up millions of pounds for a good cause. It sounds like a clear-cut success story, and going strictly by the numbers, it certainly was. And yet, Do They Know It's Christmas has since become one of the most divisive songs in the entire Christmas canon. And not just because it's been played to death, either. Which reminds me, for the two people out there who've managed to avoid hearing the song before, your time is up. 
Take a listen. Bob Geldof got the idea for a charity single in October of 1984 when he was watching a BBC report about the severe famine that had plagued Ethiopia for more than a year. The images of suffering stuck with him, and Geldof began brainstorming ideas for how to raise money through music. About a week later, he reconnected with an old friend and colleague named Midge Yor, the frontman of the British new wave band Ultravox. Yor had seen the troubling reports as well, and agreed to help Geldof write a benefit song in time for Christmas in order to take advantage of the communal spirit of generosity and goodwill. Geldof proceeded to call every industry contact he had, and even a few he didn't. He knew he would need, quote, the cream of pop music talent in order to raise as much money as possible during the holiday season. But rather than go through the proper channels, Geldof skipped the record labels and agents and just tracked down the phone numbers of the most popular singers of the day. That back-channel approach paid off big time, with a slew of British and Irish celebrities signing on to the project. Geldof got commitments from Sting, George Michael, Phil Collins, Boy George, plus members of U2, Duran Duran, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Cool in the Gang, and many, many others. David Bowie and Paul McCartney were invited to contribute as well, but both had to decline due to scheduling conflicts. However, they did contribute spoken word verses to the track's B-side single, Feed the World, which was an instrumental version of the main song. Once all the artists were on board, the next step was to find a song for them to sing. Geldof and Yor considered having the group sing an old standard or a classic Christmas song, but they worried the cost of royalties might cut into the proceeds. So instead, Geldof dusted off a half-finished tune he had written for his band, the Boomtown Rats. It wasn't a Christmas song at first, but after some tinkering from him and Yor, it became one. A Yuletide ballad designed to, as Yor put it, touch people's heartstrings and loosen their purse strings. On the production side, Geldof tried calling in another favor from producer Trevor Horn, but he was unavailable to produce the song. He still helped out in a major way, though, by offering the use of his studio in London, free of charge. To make sure the single was ready in time for the holidays, Yor agreed to take on production duties himself, and Geldof began making arrangements with their many collaborators. On November 25th, the all-day and all-night recording session began. The singers hadn't heard the track before they arrived and had to learn their lines in the studio with the help of a demo tape prepared by Yor. Sting and Duran Duran's Simon Le Bon recorded guide vocals to help the other artists, and after they had all sung through the song together, the singers were recorded individually, 
so that Yor could select the best clips for the final edit. Wrangling that much talent was an exercise in controlled chaos, but for the most part, the session went smoothly. The only hiccups were a late arrival by Boy George and a concern about the lyrics raised by U2's Bono. He thought one of his lines was in poor taste, and he was right, more on that later. But for the sake of the project, he withdrew his objection and sang the words as written. Do They Know It's Christmas was conceived, recorded, edited, and dispatched to the pressing plants at a blistering speed. Just four days after the recording session, Yor dropped off a tape at the BBC, and the song made its radio debut that same day. The vinyl single hit store shelves a few days later, in a sleeve designed by Peter Blake, half of the husband and wife duo behind the Beatles' iconic Sgt. Pepper album cover. Sporting a who's who of talent and a charitable message well-attuned to the season, the single shot to the top of the sales charts and stayed there all through Christmas and into the new year. In total, 3.8 million copies were sold in the UK and 12 million worldwide. Geldof had expected to raise £70,000 at most, but instead, the single brought in more than £8 million within the first year of its release, the equivalent of well over $30 million today. That was enough to make it the highest-selling single in UK chart history, a title which it held until 1997 when it was overtaken by Elton John's Candle in the Wind, a tribute to the late Princess Diana. From a financial standpoint, Do They Know It's Christmas was a resounding success. It provided millions of pounds in aid and brought a new level of global awareness to the plight of an often overlooked country. So why then is the song so unpopular today? often ranking near the top of the list of most hated Christmas songs. It's partly down to personal taste. The song is clearly a product of the 1980s and all that that entails, and that's just not everyone's idea of Christmas, no matter how many jingling bells are thrown in there. The optics of the song are another hurdle. Anytime a group of highly paid celebrities join forces to earnestly plead for someone else to spend their money, it's gonna rub some folks the wrong way and all the more so when that plea is caked in the cloying sentimentality of a Christmas song. Still, the most likely reason for the backlash is the song's often condescending and cringe-inducing lyrics. Although likely unintentional, many of the lines treat the song's aid recipients as alien, referring to the people of Ethiopia as, quote, the other ones, those who live in a world of dread and fear, where the only water flowing is the bitter sting of tears. And then there's the line that Bono didn't want to sing, the part that encouraged listeners to, quote, thank God it's them instead of you. But othering the people the track was meant to help is just the start of the song's lyrical shortcomings. Another stanza reveals a woefully inaccurate understanding of Africa's geography, describing the entire continent as a place, quote, where nothing ever grows, and no rain or rivers flow. The song's read on African culture is misinformed as well, and the surest evidence is right there in its title, Do They Know It's Christmas? Ethiopia is one of the oldest Christian nations on Earth, and has a majority Christian population. So, yeah, it's safe to assume they've heard of Christmas. But perhaps most troubling of all are the song's implications about the true cause of Ethiopia's famine. Like most Western media, 
It attributed the famine to natural forces such as drought. And while that certainly exacerbated the problem, the root cause was actually man-made. Ethiopia's famine was the result of a decade of corrupt government policies, ones that had misused international aid to strengthen the country's military while neglecting its agriculture and its people. The sad irony is that once famine assistance began pouring in, provided mostly by Western governments and by various humanitarian efforts, it actually contributed to the suffering it was meant to help relieve. Instead of using the money to address the famine head-on, the Ethiopian government put it towards strengthening the policies that had reduced food production in the first place. Unfortunately, according to a 1986 report in Spin magazine, that's what happened to at least some proceeds from Do They Know It's Christmas, as well as from Geldof's follow-up charity projects, We Are the World and Live Aid. That's not to say that Band-Aid didn't help at all. It did. But it is a reminder that good intentions alone aren't a strong foundation for an effective relief program. And in the worst scenarios, an attempt to help can cause more harm than good. So, does Do They Know It's Christmas deserve all the flack it gets? Well, there was a time when even Bob Geldof would have told you that it did. In 2010, he told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, I am responsible for two of the worst songs in history. One is We Are the World. The other one is Do They Know It's Christmas. Any day soon, I will go to the supermarket, head to the meat counter, and it will be playing. Every effing Christmas. That said, Geldof did change his tune just four years later. When asked about the ongoing criticism of the song in an interview with The Telegraph, the musician replied, quote, Please, it's a pop song. Relax. It's not a doctoral thesis. Midge Yore expressed a similar feeling in his 2004 autobiography, arguing that the song's impact was what mattered, rather than its content. It is a song that has nothing to do with music, he wrote. It was all about generating money. The song didn't matter. The song was secondary, almost irrelevant. That may be true, but it's worth noting that in 2014, Geldof and Yore re-recorded the song to raise money for the Ebola epidemic in West Africa, and they rewrote most of the lyrics in the process. So, I guess the song itself mattered at least a little. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.